for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The countdown continues, y'all. Only four episodes away from the Big 100. And on tonight's show, we talk about something that so many of us have gone through, or are going through, or will be going through at some point in time. Yep, y'all, I'm talking about that daggum dark cloud and longing that follows us for weeks on end after we get back to the so-called real world. Woo! I'm here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, you might not find it in them there physiocology books, but it's a real thing. Tonight, your coaches are in the house, and we talk about how to beat those post-elk hunting season blues. Those topics, along with our Elk Bro shout-outs. So, my friends, pull up a chair, adjust your volumes just right, and pick up a box of tissues if you need it. And welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by ElkBros.com, with your host, Gilbert Ornelas, and Elk Hunting Coach Joe Gilly. You want to hunt elk? They live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Hello there, everyone. If it's your first time with us, glad to have you. Hope you enjoy our show. And for those blue collar hunters following our show and grinding it out with us every week, welcome back to Elk Camp. I'm Gilbert Ornelas, your host for your show, coming to you from Spring, Texas, and from Katy, Texas, the one, the only member of the Venezuelan oh, Mafia, Lisa Gonzalez, and from Cimarron, your elk hunting coaches, the one and only Joe Gilly and Leroy Chav Chavez. Hola. What's up, guys? <laughs> hey. Hey. No yeah, don't worry, Luis, man. Uh, we're, Manana's okay. not even here to defend his leadership status. Well, well, we, you know, guys have been writing in, man. We're going to do something to figure that out on the 100th, man. We got to yeah. do something. Yeah, to yeah until we do, man. I got to keep it pro. I got to, <laughs> got to keep it real, man. He's a member, right? I can't even say I'm a member of the Venezuelan mafia. Look, after he killed that big I'm deer, I'm not saying I want to be a member. <laughs> after, after, <laughs> after, after he killed that big deer, I kind of let him in to be kind of 
one of the main members. <laughs> oh, the oh, ranking yeah, okay. members, but dude, definitely yeah, not. In his veins, dude. Not even I'm close to you. being the true leader of the Venezuelan I, mafia. Hey, There's only look, one. I, I, man, I got <laughs> my hats off to you guys because if people haven't been checking out your Instagram or or the Elk Bros Instagram. You guys have just been rocking it over there in Texas. Yeah. I mean, hogs, big hogs, man. Yeah, and yeah. you and the Ornelas crew, man, Gilbert, you yeah. and yeah, man, those me, and have been, me and Logan have been whacking them and stacking them, buddy. Yeah. Been I fun. Mean, it and, has, and we're going this weekend. I mean, this is the weekend of all weekends for me. I get to spend a week with my kids in the woods. Uh, Lacey's coming in from college on Friday. Logan and I'll be down there in uh, South Texas, and we'll be slinging some arrows and That's probably cool. letting a little bit of hot lead fly too, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you guys should have uh, you guys should have some scopes pretty soon. So. Oh uh, man, that's gonna yeah. be awesome. So yeah, I'm cool. real I'm real interested to see um, you guys review of the Black Hound uh, scope and what those optics are like on that. So that's um, cool. Yeah, when that happens, I'm oh, I actually uh, pretty neat. I was uh, reading through the Safari magazine uh, of the Safari Club International, uh -huh. and uh, they have a whole article on on these optics, the Black Hound optics, and uh, you know by Mr. Randy Gibbs. A pretty cool article about those those um, those scopes for sure. You know, anytime we have companies come in that are trying to prove themselves and and do a top of the line type deal. Um, you know, just like Vortex did when they came in, man. I mean, Vortex yeah. Glass, uh, you know, that was just a great option for everybody uh, yeah. that wanted to have great optics with without paying those Swarovski prices. And I mean, they're tremendous. And now we got Black Hound coming in here, and man, they're doing the the same thing. They're trying to yeah. really make their mark in there. And I love seeing that kind of thing, especially when it helps all those people out there that don't have to pay these exorbitant prices for a good quality product. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I just built my cousin a 300 Win Mag in a Thompson Center like I built Luis. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm actually going to, I'm going to put my Leopold that's on my 300 Ultra Mag, I'm going to put it on that thompson for him it's a four by 12 by 50 or four and a half by 14 by 50 mm -hmm. i'm going to put that on there for him and give it to him as a gift uh for christmas oh that's and awesome then, man oh yeah <clears throat> and then well, i love my cousin he's like blood you know he's like my brother so i'm gonna give him that as a gift from this me to tie him. yeah tie. Yeah, awesome and then uh i'm gonna put that black hound i'm gonna put it on my 300 ultra mag all uh, right. So uh, it'll go on my 300 Ultra, and, and we'll go air it out on some long-range pigs or coyotes. At the, if you come to our ranch, well, y'all been on my ranch. Y'all know they got the big, long pipelines mm -hmm. and big, yep, long yep. highlines. Uh -huh. I mean, we can shoot 1,500 yards, not a problem. Yeah, you know? I'm, I'm looking and waiting for some solid reviews on that so we can give those to people yeah. out there, that some of our rifle hunters and stuff. You and, bet you. And let me ask you a question, though, Gilbert, man. Are you, are you going to be hiring a professional photographer like the Mafia boys do, man? I mean, I see these <clears> photos <throat> they have, and they're lit, and whoa, got the lighting, they're posed out, whoa, whoa, right? Whoa, whoa, <laughs> yeah. whoa, whoa. There's no hiring again. The leader of the Venezuelan mafia is in charge of the cinematography. <laughs> the oh, cinematography. Is that what it is, huh? Yeah, you know I got to get a little bit better at my cinematography. I mean, <laughs> although I did produce a picture a couple weeks ago, it made me look real slim. 
So I gotta say, I gotta say, I'm getting a lot better. At it. Gilbert sent us a picture of a huge boar, just unbelievably big. But for some reason, Beto looks slim and tiny. I was like, what's going on you. here? Well, I'm telling you, dude, like, some I'm back for you from that picture, bro. And that's what I'm saying. He kind of kept it in the dark, didn't he, Chad? Wasn't it a little bit on the dark side that picture? Yeah. It, well, it was dark, so Logan was using his light off his camera to try and light me up, you know. I, I yeah, was yeah. just wondering if that was somebody else. I mean, it was dark enough that you could have put another person in there and said it was you. Negative. You know? That's me. <laughs> Straight up, buddy. Uh, they don't get any better than this right here. Boy. Well, let me tell you what. I, I, let, me tell you where, <laughs> let me tell you where people can see your mug, man. That uh, our Blue Collar Strong teaser hit YouTube. This oh, yeah. And man, I tell you what, your mug is loud and proud on that thing, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Look, I love that the was video, so man. good, Joe. It so is so well done. It is so everybody I've sent it to is like, whoa, man, this oh, is amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, the stuff we're gonna put out is gonna gain a lot of attention and, and we need to, you know, we need to dang sure make sure that we uh we're ready for that. So, well, let me tell you, I, I, well, after I watched it, I was like, God, I want to go on that hunt. Wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> I, was I was there. there huh? the, the part where you got your arm around me and you say, wait till you get a look at this fool. It is, that is. Oh, man. It's so emotional. The part where Beto is like, I get like this every single, with every single one of them. I was yeah. like, man. And then when his arms are up like that, and yeah, Mano is so cool, like dude. looking up the sky after the shot, man. And, it's and just Luis goes, so many emotions. He did it. He did it. He did it. Oh, and how, how about when you're like, you're, you're fist pumping up oh, in yeah. the air, you know, like yeah. that? Oh, it was just, that was epic right there, oh, man. I mean, too many emotions stuff. all condensed in so such a many. short, very cool video, man. So well yes. done, Joe. And very you know well done. What? I'm just like, what, what is coming out on December the 1st? <laughs> yeah. How? Oh, wait, 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 wait. I didn't say December 1. I said oh, in, December. I in December. December. In December. Don't, don't lock me down to December See, 1st. I tried to pin him down, man. <laughs> no, no, no. That was, no, that was, no. Good. That was me. good, Gilbert. You got me. You had me going on that one. I was like, oh, crap. Yeah, December Oh, yeah. Oh, no. I'm like, whoa. Hard to pin him down, but he's good man he's good no he's got the silver back mentality says, whoa yeah. whoa wait a minute yeah, <laughs> yeah well, phone, son. I, I think yeah. I, i'm thinking it's looking like it's going to be two different ones i think the first half with the mafia boys and second half with you and me man i think that's where that that's where that's going to happen right Look, there man i i gotta give it up to the mafia boys i mean i've coined it mafia production i've coined, <laughs> I've coined mafia outdoors i'm serious these boys are legit. They got it going on, and they're absolute assassins, man. It is so cool to watch the, how much they've grown, and the pure passion they put down on camera and on film is just, it's its an addictive. Well, it, it's been an incredibly fun journey, but um, to, to say that we have progressed um, by ourselves without, you know, I, oh, I, I mean, you all need to understand that you guys have been the pillar of our progression in this world of bow hunting. And yeah, I mean, we have the passion and the dedication and, you know, we love doing it and we have the opportunity to practice it, you know, constantly throughout the year. But, um, it's, uh, the learning curve was expedited considerably because of you guys. So yeah, buddy. 
Well, you. you you owe money still on that part of it. But <laughs> <you get there. laughs> Paid in full. I sure do. Right. Paid I in sure full do. right here, bro. But, but I can tell you this, it, and people got to see, because, man, when you watch that right at the end of it, there's Chav's mug right there, and, yeah, and for the ex- and for the exact reason that he wanted to be there, huh, Chav? For that, for oh, that. Oh yeah, the ninja. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. The, the elk ninja showed up in camp. Yeah, and sure. I mean it's it's uh, all of us together having a good laugh, and uh, the the very reason that he wanted to be up there in the first place. He definitely didn't want to be up there to freeze his buns off, but <laughs> <laughs> it was epic cold, wasn't it, Chav? <laughs> Oh, yeah. I'll be more prepared next time. <laughs> I don't know how to be more prepared, son. I'm telling you. It was uh, it was cold. We even had a daggum fire and couldn't get warmed up. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, yeah. Was, it was warm during the day when when we drove him up, and we took about a two. It took about two hours, man, to get into yeah. camp. Hey, let me let me, let me, uh, let me try to put it in a way that people would understand. It was warm during the day. While you were trying to keep up with Joe up in the mountains, yes, uh, didn't matter how hot, how cold it was, it was yeah. warm. Yeah, it was, it was pretty warm. Uh, oh man! Yes. So, uh, I, I just real quick, guys, I want to remind all the listeners that our 100th show, a Hugh milestone, is coming up. And guys, remember, we're going to be looking for two of you, two listeners that want to be part of Elk Bros history, and and that's exactly what this is. Our 100th episode of our show is huge history for us and we want you to join us on that 100th episode of the blue collar elk hunting podcast and if you want to do that because we're getting ready to put a deadline on this in fact i think the deadline you get to hear this on a tuesday the deadline will probably be the following tuesday so gotcha. by the next show we'll probably be announcing that our you know we're done taking those in we, we need to select all that so we can get everybody lined out, that people know they can set up their schedules and stuff. So if you want to join us, remember, um, here's what you need to do. You need to write in to info at elkbros.com. You need to tell us two things. You need to tell us about your journey this <clears throat> year as an elk hunter. Um, and now that journey doesn't have to be just this year. Your journey might have been what you've been going through for a number of years and putting together. We don't know that, but we want to know how this year was a part of that and why, and this is the big one, why would you like to join us on our 100th episode? I have a little ob- objection with that question. It's like, because to me, it's why wouldn't you? <laughs> no, no doubt. <laughs> oh, man, I don't know, man. To be amongst this crew, you're going to get tagged, man. You just never know. Yeah, you it's know? a tough crowd. Well, yeah, we're a tough crowd. Gilbert, Gilbert don't hold back at all, man. And then Manano, Manano's brutal. He's brutal. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Uh, we're going to have everybody. It's going to be a good time, man. Yeah. Uh, you're not going to want to miss it. Uh, guys, keep. Uh, it's so cool to see every week uh, guys writing in and everything that, that all of the stories have been awesome, Joe. And again, we are getting your letters, guys. We're not responding to those um, yet. Uh, we will talk about those people and names and stuff like that and respond to them. And, and we're going to have a little something-something for some of you guys, too. So uh, that will be exciting. To, to a lot of, lot of letters coming in, really good ones. And, and I want to thank everybody that has submitted their letters because, you know, it, it's you know some of the stories are very personal and, and really hit home. And it's, it's yep. just so nice to have people share 
their stories, their journeys with us. It's uh, we're we're blessed to to be able to share all those. Uh, mm-hmm. You guys, you know, to have you guys share those with us. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it really doesn't matter if you guys did or didn't punch your tag this year. Nope. You know, not at all, man. Y'all, uh, y'all tell us, you know, or if your hunt's still coming up. Yep. Absolutely, man. This is about your journey. That, and that's what all of this is about. What we are doing with you is we are trying to, as Chab always says, we're here to flatten your learning curve, help yeah. you on your journey, maybe get it so that some of those memories are happening for you a little earlier, man, instead of having to, you know, wait for that trial and error, trial and error, and trial and error, man. We're, we're trying to get you so that you're having a, some success, you're feeling it, um, you're excited about it, and not only we're hoping that that journey isn't just about that final goal of putting those hands on the horns. We want you to understand that it's that journey along the way. Yes, our goal is for you to punch that tag, but we also, a huge part of what we do with you is getting you to be not only aware, uh, wanting that, but wanting the experience and um, you being a better person and a better person in the woods, a better person at home, a better person in your workplace, man. All of this is about life skills, life sets, and doing the things to make this world a little better, whether we're in the woods or anywhere. So, uh, yeah, we're excited about that, and we want to hear about that from you. Absolutely. Well, guys, you know what time it is. Shout it's time out, for the Elk Bro Shout Out. If you're new to the show, we just shout out for a few cities where the most listeners top on our charts this week. Yep, absolutely. And for our top listening cities, um, we're going to go ahead and have you start out. Luis, you want to knock it out for us, man? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, for those of you who heard uh, the last podcast, I want you to know that uh, Joe has taken revenge. Um, <laughs> his, uh, his last, the last podcast, Joe struggled a little bit with this uh, pronunciation. So I know that there is some intention behind the ones that he picked for me today. Look, I'm going to ace this and y'all are going to be like completely amazed here. Okay, so this top listening city is a northeastern suburb of Chicago and was founded in 1866, a swamp-dominated area. It was the home of the Potawatomi natives. Two well-traveled Indian trails, Woodstock Trail and Lake Zurich Trail, still exist today as the Algonquin Road and Rand Road. And guess what, boys? L can be found right here on a 3,700-acre preserve called the Busa Forest, Elk Pasture, Palatine, Illinois. Yeah! <laughs> yeah! Yeah, baby! He did, he did really great until... Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> he did, man. Uh, I figured Algonquin was going to get on him here, brother. How, how do you... Algonquin? Algonquin. Yeah, Algonquin. How, how cool is that? Because I know Santa Fe, New Mexico, if you've ever driven in Santa Fe, New Mexico, it's like crazy <laughs> to drive around there because the roads that exist today are the very same roads that existed in the 1800s, man. So wow. all they did was pave them puppies, right? Well, I'm going to tell you right now, that road between, well, never mind. I don't want to give out that road. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can tell it was it was all horse and carriage at one time going over mountain passes. And I think it's so cool that <clears throat> here in Palatine, Illinois, that 
two actual Indian trails still exist as roads today. That's that's, that's pretty. Cool. That's cool. no doubt. That's way cool. Joe, this next city is a port on the confluence of the Hood River and the Columbia River that borders the Washington state line, known as the windsurfing capital of the world and located 30 miles north of Mount Hood. The city has received a lot of positive national publicity, including being named coolest small town, the fifth best ski town in America, and just lately, one of the great riverfront towns in the U.S. in Hood River, Oregon. Hood River, Oregon. Hey, <laughs> I just want to go to all these places in Oregon, man. I'm always between Oregon and Washington. I mean, these guys were rocking it all the time, man. And hey, Lake buddy. Stevens, yes, Lake Stevens. Again, you are cranking it this week. You know, but let me tell you what. Um, there's a city right behind you, man, this week that you two, I, I'm, I don't know what's going on. I think people are uh, like saying, hey, we want to be on this because there is a town in Virginia that you're going to be hearing about next week, man. Wow. So, yeah, cool. pretty cool. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, next up, this city is situated 10 miles southeast of Tacoma, Washington. Its name comes from the Puyallup tribe and means the generous people. It is home to the Washington State Fair. During World War II, the fairgrounds were part of Camp Harmony, a temporary Japanese-American internment camp, which housed 7,000 detainees in Puyallup, Washington. Puyallup, Washington. Puyallup, Washington. Puyallup. Yeah, we'll have to make a road trip on that on the western part of the United States one of these days. Just hit yeah. all these so we did that. We did, man, we went from Seattle all the way to the Ho Rain, all the way down to, um, gosh, we went to Mount St. Helens and back out to Portland to, to fly out, man. So just incredible country. It's like you're Beautiful. driving through a crack in the earth with the trees on each side of those highways, <clears throat> yeah. 200 feet tall. Yeah, the big sequoias and redwoods. Oh, it's unbelievable, man. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful state, man. So next up, this is a city I never, ever, guys, man, thought we would be talking about in our top listening places. This just rocked my world. And I want you to know, it's, you know, I am of heritage here, so this worked out pretty cool. <laughs> this Lord. international city is a metropolis in Italy's, yes, I said that, in Italy's northern Lombardy region and is a global capital of fashion and design. Home to the National Stock Exchange, it's a financial hub and also known for its high-end restaurants. Leonardo da Vinci's mural, The Last Supper, is housed at the Gothic Duomo di Milano Cathedral in the Santa Maria dei Grassi Convent, right here in... Man, we have become international, boys. We're cultured, man, in Milan, Lombardy, Italy. Italy in the house. Yeah, butchered. You butchered that one, dude. No, what? man, he got it was, good. Dude. No, what? that was that was terrible, bro. That's a lot better than I did. <laughs> that was terrible. And you call yourself Italian, man? What, what the heck, man? It's just, just <laughs> unbelievable. I said, hey, I did it in the Italian, not the Spanish version. Okay, yeah. man. Gothic Duomo di Milano Cathedral and the Santa Maria delle Grazie. De la grazie. De la grazie. De la grazie. <laughs> and and Man, how, do you say, how do you say convent? 
convent. <laughs> convent. Well, it's yeah. in English. You wrote it in English. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. How cool hey, man, is that? I, I, it's so cool that we got across the big pond, we got some, some love, brother. Well, you know, um, there, there's been uh, I, some places in England that were right there. So, that's uh, so I think cool. Blackheath, have you ever heard Blackheath, I think? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sure. So, yeah, that's really, that stuff is really cool. That's awesome. Joe, next up, this city is the tribal headquarters of the Cheyenne River Sioux Tribe on the Cheyenne River Indian Reservation. The reservation is the fourth largest reservation in the land area in the United States at 4,266 square miles. It was once home of the Native American icon, Chief Sitting Bull, Chief in Sitting Eagle Bull. Butte, South Dakota. Eagle Butte, South Dakota. In the house. Man, man talk about South history. South Dakota. Man. Yes. That's so cool. It's a yep. big, big state, man. Like I told y'all, one time I was in South Dakota, North Dakota area, I had to call my mama because I thought the rapture would come. I didn't see nobody <laughs> on the road for two hours. <laughs> two hours, Joe. I mean, hook, hooked a hard left there in Des Moines City and drove for two hours to North Dakota, and I had no clue that there was ever a soul that lived in North North Dakota. <laughs> I said, I got to call my mama because I think the rapture would come. <laughs> you said you, you said you're going to call your mom because she has a direct line, huh? Yeah, she got a direct line to Jesus. So I knew if the rapture would come, mama wouldn't answer. Mama answered the phone. And I said, man, there's just nobody that lives up here. <laughs> All right, guys, let's get to our topic for tonight. That's freaking awesome, man. Uh, hey, Joe, uh, can, I, can I do a quick... Real quick parentheses, um, there's a gentleman, his last name is Mr. Presley. Um, oh. um, him, him and his family are going to need tons of prayers um, as, you know, one of their uh, little family members is going to go through surgery this Friday. And it's a, it's a very, very delicate surgery. So um, please, everybody out there listening, um, just, you know, embrace these people uh, with, with your prayers and, and, and send you know, all the positive energy and all the best I, wishes. Uh, everything I, comes out. I actually, um, I, I knew of what uh, Charles was going through. This is Charles Presley, y'all. Yes. And, yes, uh, and his wife. Charles, was, we're praying uh, for you, brother. And his daughter is Abigail, mm. and she was born yes, back sir. in August, and she's going to be going through heart surgery, and it's yes, been, sir. you know, it's been pushed up. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I threw a, a, a text out to him earlier today just to let him know that we were thinking about him. And uh, it's it's Charles, man, a lot of positive vibes, bud. And yes, amen, you know, we can't amen. wait to can't wait to hear the the the, the journey news. the great story and we like to ask all of our our people out there just send some positive vibes some positive thoughts and prayers for for charles and and uh his daughter abigail all yes, right sir. so topic tonight beating <laughs> the post elk season blues that's what and i'm telling you i've had so many things that have come in from people that have just talked about you know how they're feeling after the elk season and this and that and and i've heard about this elk season blues thing and, and so the first thing i want to say y'all is this a real thing 100 <laughs> percent i told you i got my bottom lip poked out when the mountains are behind me when i'm headed east right i mean i am not lying yeah i don't like it uh 
I've told you several times, I got to figure out a way to move to New Mexico or, you know, somewhere in between where I can get in the mountains regular and stay in them. Uh, it's something that I love to do. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a real thing. I mean, we live vicariously through yourself and Chav and looking at y'all's pictures of elk every week. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a real deal. And, uh, you know, what? One of the things that I do down here is, you know, and, and Luis can attest to this, is we jump right back on the horse. I mean, we don't hunt elk, but we go hunt pigs and we go hunt, you know, deer seasons right around the corner. October 1st, use that last weekend of September, first weekend of October, our bow season starts here in Texas. Uh -huh. Yeah, it's hotter than Billy Blue Blazes, but at the end of the day, man, we're going to get back on the horse and, and go sling some arrows at some critters, you know. So for but me – I can That's remember, I though, get. Gilbert, I can remember getting mm -hmm. some emails and stuff like that from you and, gosh, uh, Manano and Luis. I mean, it wasn't even a week after you guys were home, man. It was like, <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I can't, I, I, you just cannot duplicate that feeling of being in the mountains and being in God's creation that you wake up every morning under that and you like, it's just spiritual. I tell people that all the time. They don't really understand until they've done it. You know, until you come share elk camp with us, uh, in, in the guys that have is a short list, but the guys that have, they, they all tell you it's just, it's spiritual, man. I agree. The, the only thing that is keeping New Mexico for me to be absolutely perfect it's the fact that it doesn't have hogs up there in the mountains. <laughs> that's, you know, I, I truly believe we all got a spirit animal. Yes, that's uh, right. I truly believe. Uh, mine is an animal, and Luis's is definitely a, a hog. Hog. So, yeah. Uh, that's kind of his deal, you know. So, yeah. let me ask you a question. How how long do you drive to go hunt hogs, man? It depends. Um, so, I got a place uh, that um, with a friend of mine that is actually forty five minutes away from the house, and oh, then cool. mm -hmm. and then we have public land as close as an hour, an hour and a half. Um, and then, you Marsh know, place, Marsh place about an hour and a half from you. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's also another place. Yeah. And then, you know, we're, we're working on a lease that's potentially going to be, you know, uh, five or five and a half hours, six hours away. So well, he comes hunting with me, he comes hunting with me on my ranch. It's about four uh, and a half, five hours. That's right. So and then it, within, place. within five and a half hours there, you know, we have several options. But I think from my house here, you can drive five and a half hours to pigs. You see, really? sir, you can. Yeah, absolutely. I'm only four hours away from Amarillo. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You, you'll be around some for sure. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know how many they, they get around Amarillo cause them hogs don't like the cold. Well, I'm, now I'm they'll, just... they'll get in it. Don't get me wrong. They'll get oh, in the, it. The place, the place we, we go some, you know, it's about six and a half hours from where he's at. Mm -hmm. He's saying five and a half hours, but it's six and a half hours. <laughs> where? I think you said like seven hours. I said six and a half. So it was But what I want to go back to our subject, guys, do you, do you think, though, I mean, I mean, we talk about how people, they feel like, do you actually think that there is a depression yeah. that some people go through? Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. I mean, my, my, my opinion is, is look if i didn't that's that's the reason why i mentioned the hogs right mm -hmm. because if i didn't have the hogs to hunt throughout the year you know because even with the deer season here deer season here for bow hunters in texas is pretty long yeah uh but really long yeah but even even after that i mean the 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 break of no deer hunting is longer 
Sure. And uh, I would be depressed. I would be just like, I don't, I don't know what, I wouldn't know what to do with myself. I mean, it just, if I didn't have hogs to go after throughout the year, just any time during the year, I just didn't know what to do with myself. I mean, it just, it, it would, it would put, yeah, it would be, I'll be depressed. And I remember having conversations with Manano that if I didn't have a hunt scheduled in my calendar, mm-hmm. uh, it was not good. I mean, I wasn't feeling good. You know, I had to have at least one hunt in my calendar schedule that me and my wife agreed upon those dates and I knew I was going to go, go hunting. And I try to shoot for at least once a month in order to kind of, you know, keep my levels of non-depression uh, hi. <laughs> yeah, and, and for me, and for me, Joe, uh, my uh, wife's grown up with me. Uh, you know, we've known each other since we were 16 years old, and she knows from October to January, end of January, I'm gonna be in the woods. You know, and if I ain't got something planned every weekend or at least every other, uh, you know, I'm in. I'm not very good mood. You know, uh, <laughs> I like to be in the woods with my kids. Uh, it ain't got anything to do with killing things. I just love to be in the woods hunting, you know. Uh, and for me, that's kind of my, I don't know if you call it a church or whatever, but that's uh, thats where my spirituality is for sure, is, you know, spending time with my family and putting time in the woods. So it just sounds to me like, though, hunting hunting does it for you. I mean, it doesn't, yeah. you know, did you actually feel any depression after the elk season was over? Oh, man, after that? yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. just not being able to get up and hear those elk bugles. You know, I mean, sure. I I mean, I watch a lot of elk hunting shows, you know, on TV. (laughs) I I go back and I can't tell you how many times I've watched our own videos, you know, over and over again, just to feel that. And I pick up something almost, you know, guys, if y'all hadn't seen it yet, the trailer's coming out and uh, (laughs) that trailer is full of some of those things. That's the first time I've seen them, you know, so and it jogs everything back and you're like, man, I wish I could do this a whole lot more, you know? Um, yeah. And, and then, you know, like, like I said, how I get through it is just diving into hunting other critters, you know? Right. Um, and, and when, it, when, when the oil field was good, I hunted elk pretty much through the middle of October cause I would take clients hunting, you right. know? Uh-huh. So I got to, I got to watch them kill some elk and we got, you know, up and, uh, northern northern New Mexico, southern Colorado, and, you know, I'd be on some really cool ranches uh, with my clients. So, but, you know, oil field's in a pretty rough shape, and we hadn't been able to do a lot of that this year. So I'm going to get to, you know, have some guys out on our, our ranch in South Texas and enjoy some time with some really good friends and clients there. But well, I see, uh, and I think that's a big part of it, like you said, though, spending that time with really good friends, man. I think that's a big part of it as well, you know. Yeah. and, and uh, Absolutely. People listened to our, our podcast last week, you know, they got to hear some of that. Because, you know, Chav, I think you can almost bring a, a whole different perspective because this was the first season that you weren't out there. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but generally speaking, though, um, you know, the elk hunt is kind of like Christmas. You know, you look forward to it for 365 days out of the year. And then when it gets here, it seems like it goes by just like the <laughs> yeah. snap of the fingers. Fast. Just like Gilbert was saying, you look at that uh, trailer he made and uh, you forget all the little pieces that make that hunt so uh, so impressive. So but yeah, for me, it was really different this year. You know, um, you know, my anticipation was hopefully I can get out there. And when I found out I wasn't going to be able to get out there, it was really disappointing. And, uh, you know, 
I'm already working towards it for next year. You know, right now, uh, you know, that's my, that's one of my big goals. So, uh, yeah, it's different. And, uh, yeah, once it's over, you know, there's a, a mourning period, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, you forget it, you know, you enjoy that adventure so much, you know, it, the difficulties and, and the friendships and everything is just a, an amazing hunt. Yeah. And I, I think, I think you, you know, you hit that on the head too. And you guys talked about how much you prepare for it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you prepare, uh, for months and months you think you schedule you do all of those things um and you know and we talk about this i mean you spend 350 for 10 or seven or five right yeah and i mean you're just you're just putting all that in and then when you get there and you're just so excited for it and you get there and you put it and next thing you know you blink i mean it's how many times have we gone on the first day and go you know, it's like, oh, we're okay, man. It's only the first day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Next thing you know, we're talking about packing up for the next day. I mean, it's, yeah. it's like, God dang, where did it go, man? It took forever to get here, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. what is that week, that five days, that five days before you get to take off to go head to the hills, how hmm. long does that feel? yeah you know generally we're working so hard to try and clear everything up so we can make sure you know everything's right here at the house so mom mama's not looking for anything you know we're taking care of our honeydews uh and and doing all of those things and then taking care of our workload and and for me i hate getting ready the night before so i've got everything packed a week before right sitting in just like just like manano yeah but two weeks before the trip yeah sure (laughs) yeah no seven days before man i'll have all my gear packed and i'll have everything laid out in here and my wife hates it but i put it all right in here ready to go because i don't want to forget anything along with my pillow y'all don't ever want to forget a pillow (laughs) that's number one thing put on your gear list pillow okay bring three yeah in case somebody forgets one uh so again, I lay everything out, you know, I get ready before then. So it's helping me pass those days and I start adding two things, you know, and then the night before I'm loading everything up and then you got to make sure you go on the right day. Cause a lot of times somebody will tell you one day and then it's not the right day. <laughs> so, you know, you, you get throwed a little curveball there and you're like, Oh man, I thought I was going to leave on the, this day. Now I got to wait a whole nother 24 hours. That's a Manano, man. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh. uh, at the end of the day, man, yeah, it's the anticipation that just, uh, fuels you you know and i dealt with some injury this year so i wasn't really able to do a whole lot of physical stuff uh but i'm man i'm telling you my feet are feeling good i'm feeling good uh so i can't wait man i'm I'm gonna be in a lot better shape next year when i get there round is a shape but i will be in a better round shape uh when i get there more round uh, you mean yeah i'm gonna be around for sure (laughs) so Um, and the next part we were going to talk about is, is like, you know, for those guys that are out there and, and that, that are going through this and their seasons have ended <clears> and stuff like this, uh, we're going to talk about how you can refocus, how you change that, 
that so-called depression. Because, I mean, here's what happens, too. You've worked so hard for this. I mean, I mean, look at all the miles that you ran, Luis, right? And, I mean, we're getting all these things and stuff like that about all the miles you've run. Well, I tell you what, you've been back home from elk hunting since I don't know what, but I haven't seen any mile times. Or <laughs> I haven't been sending them, but uh, <laughs> I, uh, I'll be honest. I I have not put in the work the way I put it before the trip. Absolutely. But, but I have ran. You know, I think that's part of it, though. I think, few, I, I, think, I think that actually, I think that's part of that depressive The postpartum? Mode. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I, I think guys come home and they're like, you know, because really that carrot, that being on that hunt and being it's able to do too far that, away. It, yeah. yeah. And, well, it, and you just got done doing it all. It's like, what am I going to do this for now? I'm, yep. you know, uh, I don't have to go keep up with anybody. Well, but because, and, and I'll tell you, you know, I hate working out. <laughs> I, just, I, freaking, I hate it with a passion. I, I just like having to do push-ups and, and abs and all that crap. It's like, yeah. man, I I'm doing it. born like Bo Jackson too. Man. Oh, man, I'm doing it. I'm cursing. I was like, dang it, you know, I hate this freaking thing. I was like, what? And, and the only reason why I do it is to be able Survive. to, you know, yeah, uh, perform when I need to perform up in the mountain. So, yeah, to your point, I get back and I was like, well, you know, do I really need to put in that much of a hard work in the meantime? And look, as of now, the only carrot I have is like I need to start putting in the work so it doesn't become such a steep of a, a progress for me when it time when I get closer to the dates because well, I yeah. already feel that I'm starting to gain a little bit sure. more weight again. Yeah. Yeah. And so my thought process now is like, well, I know I hate it and um, – I know that elk hunt is, is, is far out and I got time, but I know that if I don't start putting the work now, then it's going to be way harder for me to catch up by the, the yeah. time, you yeah, know, and, the closer I get. And I, I, I want you to think about a, a couple of things too, is that it, and that's why we say that elk hunting changes people's lives because it has done that for you. I mean, it's actually you are thinking in a whole different mode than you did before. And you're getting life benefits, not just elk hunting benefits yep. from from you know the the training that you're doing. Both you I mean, I got news for you. When I met Gilbert, man, this dude was on a CPAP. He was on medications galore. Uh and it's it's different for him now man i mean mm, life is different sure. so it altered his life and it, it increased opportunities for him in so many ways and uh you know we get i get emails from guys that said you know uh like gilbert i'm like this and this is what i'm doing and they're changing their life so that that's huge but i do want to tell people though that as coaches you know one thing that we'll tell you that Chad will tell you is that the body needs a break between seasons no now, I'm doubt. not I'm not saying that you know it's like Gilbert saying that his I'll, I'll give it about a year and a half break then <laughs> make sure that uh, we well, get full rested in there here's the other thing and I and gosh I but I've got to do this, man. When you have those things and you go, how much you hate it. And and I'm I'm with you on that, dude. I mean, the only reason I run, the only reason I do the stuff I do is so yeah. I can do what I do in the mountains. I, I, I'm right with you on that. But I can tell you this, too. There's those days when I start to, to complain about this or complain about that. You know, I've been there and I've seen Chav on one end of seven feet. Absolutely. 100%. One end of seven yeah. feet trying to just 
get yep. to the other side of it yeah. and and yeah. what it was for him. So that for me has been huge in my life, right? I agree. And look, I I said it in a, a few podcasts before too mm-hmm. that I've been I was running and I felt like I couldn't make that last mile when I was actually running the three mile you know stuff and I was like it was hot out there, it was sweating, and I was like, oh my god, I won't be able to make this, and the thought of chaff came through and that's what got me through finishing up my mile. It's like, you know, if, if, if chaff was fully healthy and able to run, he would rather be running than where he's at. Why can't you go ahead and do that? And that's what got me through it. And, and a hundred percent that's been, I think it's about finding the motivation, the inspiration, yeah. the reasons for your reason it and, and being able to to tap into that source in order to get you going. But it's tough, man. I, and look, it's it, it takes a lot of discipline. And 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 I consider myself a very disciplined person when I set my mind to it. But this is one that I whew, I slip every once in a while. Well, <laughs> and I, I I tell people all the time, you got to find your reason why that's bigger than your why not, right? Mm-hmm. And for me, that's that's what it's all about. I tell my athletes that all the time. You know, if you're struggling doing something, you're not putting the work in to get the result that you need, right? I can just tell you, if you put the work in, you'll find the result. You know, I, it is part of what we do. Uh, we have to perform physically in the mountains and mentally. Uh, I can't tell you what a crushing blow it is up there to your mental uh, state when your body won't do what you, what you want it to do. <laughs> yeah. Cause that, that is, that is the worst. Uh, I've been through it. Uh, I am very fortunate that I'm very stubborn and, uh, and I'm willing to die on that <laughs> mountain to get it done. Right. Uh, and, and I, you know, I have, I've been in better shape before than I was this past year, no doubt. But, I was not going to give up and in, in, in deny. I, I had to ask for timeout a couple of times. But, <laughs> but uh, at the end of the day, Joe knows if he gets me within uh, what we call the red zone, if he gets me in the red zone, it's over, right? And he's got 100% confidence I can close that deal. Yep. And, look, you're going to run out of that rope sometime, so I know i got to have better be, be in better shape. Uh, the year before that, I mean, we knocked him down quick and – uh, or the year before that, I mean, we knocked them down quick and I didn't really need to be in great shape. And I was in the best shape of my life, you know, so I was about 255 when I showed up to elk camp this year. It was about 275, 278. I'm walking around today at 278. Uh, I, my goal to be in elk camp next year will be around 240, you know. That's what I want to be at. So I got work to do. My foot's feeling 100% better, man. I can, I can put the work in. Uh, I got some time to do it, uh, so uh, I can't wait. But for me, man, guys, I just get back on the horse and go hunting. That's how I really cure my, my and, blues. And, yeah, that's the the thing to get you through is – and also there's other things like you share – that passion in some ways by sharing it with family members you know taking your son taking your daughter you know uh same thing for luis you know and luis you know manano doesn't have that yet tomas is coming coming up you know and you know for myself i get the opportunity man i you know i still have hunts that i'm doing up in the hills you know and, and and you know, I get to spend so much time around elk. It really helps to to lengthen that out for me. But for those guys that that 
need to refocus or or what you can do to refocus and get for ready for the elk season. I'm going to tell you a story, and I won't mention the name, but one of our, our grinders texted me uh, the other day, and, and he's texting me about, you know, choices for next year, whether OTC, whether first week, whether, you know, whether the, the middle during muzzleloader and because co- he's talking about Colorado or the last week and blah, blah, blah. And, and he's going by and his wife's like, well, who are you texting now? <laughs> and, and, and she goes, are you planning for the hunt already? And he, Jake from State Farm. He, <laughs> <laughs> he did the perfect thing, man. He goes, well, Joe's talking about it. He th- <laughs> He used, blamed it on you. Oh yeah, he blamed it through. Yeah, but hey, that's that is the classic. I'll take it, man. That's a classic move, man. That's how you deflect and you can save it, man. But but in all honesty, you know, for a lot of guys, I especially, you know, you guys, you don't have to worry about planning on so much where you're going to be, where you're going to camp, you know, uh, you know, what time of year, all that stuff is pretty much done for you, right? You know, yeah. before but there's so many guys back east that are like, well, number one, where do I go? What unit? You know? And, you know, what time of year should I go? And, you know, all of that type of yeah. stuff. And and so I'm telling you guys, all right, so those of y'all that are going through those blues right now, give yourself a chance to recoup. Take that yeah. take that break between seasons. But in your mind, you, you need to already, again, get perspective and review where you were and what you did this year. You It'd know? be a great, great opportunity to look at your failure points and Absolutely. be able to and be able yeah. to work through those, get a workaround if you need something. I mean, for me, this year, one of my failure points was not being able to see through my peep, and I learned how to shoot outside the peep if I need to at certain distances. So those were things that I've worked on. And now today, if I draw back and something happens like that when I'm whitetail hunting, it's not going to be an issue. And I'm going to know right where I need to go, and we're going to get it done, man. Uh, but like I said, we've been sticking hogs and whitetails and everything else the last few weeks. So for me, it was just about getting back on the horse, Joe. And we're yeah. blessed because we have that opportunity to hunt other species uh, in the meantime. But mm-hmm. look, if, if you don't have that. Small um, game. Yeah, some... well, not only small games, but there's 3D shooting competitions yep. out there. And those are super fun, too. No doubt. No um, doubt. And I've, I've done some of those. And, and look, talk about that. Uh, you know, something that can also help you with failure points, that's it. And that yeah. puts you in different situations, different scenarios to, to shoot. And some of them you, you, you can range and some others you can't. And, uh, you know, that also helps you with perspective and, and understanding distances, uh, especially out in the woods where yeah. it can be so deceiving. So, And, um, and I'm, not, I'm not saying this to shamelessly plug anything, but, Joe, you know, Luis and I both hunt hogs year-round. And if any of our listeners want to come down, it's rarely, it's very inexpensive to hunt these critters down here in Texas. I mean, they're a nuisance. And we'll be, you know, it's a flat day rate fee that we charge you. And if you want to come down and hunt them, I guarantee you're going to be around them. You can kill as many as you want. I mean, there's no limit. Uh, so we got places to do it. So if our listeners want to dive into something like that and kind of see how we hunt those hogs and this, that, no, we'd love to have some of our listeners come join us on a hunt, you know, and, uh, it's, like I said, it's very affordable. It's, it's not in the thousands of dollars. I can tell you that. And that's, so, that's Gilbert at elkbros.com. Just yeah, give yeah, that's email, Gilbert man. at elkbros.com. Yeah. And same thing with Luis. I get, we, we both have places to get that done. And, uh, it's how we stay in shape. 
how we stay in shooting and shape. There you go. Uh, and, and that's how we get it done and we stay in our shape. You know, and see, that, uh, that's the around. thing that I think is important is, is when you are having to shoot an animal ethically and put them down quick and fast, it doesn't matter what that animal is. You get used to looking at that spot and yeah. making that count. And I, I think that's one of the main reasons. I mean, if you, <laughs> on that trailer, on our, uh, you know, blue collar, strong trailer, mm-hmm. you look at that, man, I, you did an incredible job, Luis. I don't, that is just daggum A material. We have Manano and the elk and that yeah. elk looks like he's right on top of Manano. And it does, man. It looks like he's going to walk over you. It, it can't, it can't be 15 yards, man. I yeah, mean, right. it, it can't right. be that far away. And I mean, you actually see that arrow pop right right behind right in the pocket on that animal right there you know uh, you can hear it and he just calm as a cucumber because he actually had pulled back and had his knot come off of his yeah um, yeah yep this is the the shaft so he had to he had to let he had to let down uh, adjust the knock and then draw again as the elk was still approaching yeah so um yeah it's uh it was an incredible moment and uh, it was, it was really tough for, you know, when you're trying to capture those moments, you don't, the biggest fear you have is not to mess it up for the hunter. Right. Absolutely. And, uh, and just kind of trying to stay at the right distance and be still be able to capture the shot is probably the most difficult thing uh, that you can do. And Manano did an incredible job the year prior at yeah. uh, that as well so yeah mm-hmm. yeah we've gotten we've gotten two like that and and oh and i mean that one of gilbert last year taking oh. his bull now we don't get both shooter and right. but i mean we have the bull right there in it right. you know and it's just really really cool stuff on on that who shot that oh i don't i don't know man that guy was pretty good <laughs> he was shot right that. he was uh, right behind me that's for sure <laughs> and i had chaz sitting right behind me too not that was some of the coolest video I've seen of an animal actually, you know, the, the whole coming up over the hill yeah, like and man, him bugling in our face and the standoff, yeah. me drawing, having to hold. I mean, um, that was pretty cool. And, and I'm not gonna lie. We actually shot an overshot of that where I am drawing the bow. So if Joe wants to work that in, he can do that. Right. Yeah. But I mean, it was so cool to see, I mean, you see the arrow boy, it, it, it was money. Yeah, that bull was down in less than 15 oh, I, seconds. I think I counted it. six seconds, man. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, put him down. Yeah. And uh, didn't go very far, maybe 15, 18 yards, and he was down. If that. Yeah, it yeah. was unbelievable. I mean, he never left oh, the frame. On a super down. steep hill, too. Yep. And with some yeah. really nasty rocks that he, he navigated fine, but it took us a, a, a rough time getting him out. But, man, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then Manano got the sh- – he got the shot – he just didn't see the animal on mine this year. He got the shot. He got the arrow released. You actually hear the arrow in flight, and it impact the animal, right? And then about 12 seconds, I think it took, you heard the animal crash into a tree. Yeah, and uh, my cool hands stuff. go up in there. It was really cool, man. But I tell you, too, you guys, that if you haven't, I mean, right now is the time. I mean, especially right now, the way COVID's going and the way it's going to be with shipping and stuff, if you don't know that one item of gear that you felt like you were missing or that was breaking down or that's getting old or that needs to be replaced, you know, to put that out there on your Christmas list, I mean, that's this is the time right here. So 
you know, Black Friday. What's Black that? Friday. Black Friday. Yeah. Black Friday. Well, yep. can can you get both stuff on? Well, I don't know. Is it? <laughs> I, I yeah, don't know. You, I don't know if in, if uh, Zolio or something is going to be on sale on Black never Friday. Know. You never know. But uh, never know. Yeah, but no, I mean, but, Joe. I got to. You know. I've got to say, and I meant to say this when we were talking about what's the actual feeling of the blues. And to me, um, have you ever watched a really, really good TV show that you just like love every single episode, but there's like a month in between one episode and the other, and they just finish and let you like hanging what you know yeah. so that's the feeling right i mean when you're driving down the mountain oh uh, after that season is over bringing yeah. all those memories with you in such a short period of time it's like man i have mm -hmm. to wait a whole another year for this and that's that's the feeling and that's like you're extremely happy because of the experiences that you earned and and the memories that you will take with you to your grave but at the same time extremely saddened because it's such a long time for that <laughs> yeah, to happen and, again and, so let me, and for me i didn't get to start it until my 40s you know yeah. I, and that angers me because i wish i would have got it in my 20s because i'd have been a bad son of a gun in my 20s now and hey i was a much better better athlete then well but to take that feeling the other way have you noticed yeah. the, that once we get back there, it's like we never left. Left. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Only Absolutely. we got cooler gear. <laughs> oh, and I got a better bow than Manano. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we got better gear. We're a little more prepared. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, but, but it does feel like the, the friendship. And I think, look, I think us doing this um, has made know, that also stronger. helps a lot to, to, yeah. to enhance that mm -hmm. feeling. Right. But, I have to say that I also felt it before we even started doing the podcast. Yeah. I mean, it, it's sure. just, it's funny because it's like putting pause on that one TV show and then just hitting play again and once there. we uh, meet up again. Yeah, and, and, uh, and last year you guys came down to the ranch and came hog hunting with us. Right. You know, but we, but here's the thing, though. That's, that's also a very good um, – identifier of of true good friendship right yeah. i mean when when you have a really good friend that you haven't talked to or seen in years and then you you meet with that person again and it feels like you're picking it right back like up where left. you left right it. yeah i mean that's that's normally a good indicator of a true friendship and i think i think we got that too so yeah, yeah. we're blessed yeah. with that and, and that's why it feels the whole thing when we get there is like yeah i mean if and look stories and 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 memories are starting to blend mm -hmm. uh you know sometimes you know it's hard to remember whether it was the <laughs> before or the one before that because things are so similar right um, yeah. chav but, uh, i think we get that problem a lot huh <laughs> yeah. yeah we get our stories all mixed up y'all been so blessed to be able to stay so long in the mountains together and you yeah. know do those kinds of things and yeah man i mean if i'm y'all i'm hunting everything that lives in them mountains i'm hunting mule deer i'm hunting you know whatever uh well to us it almost seems so, like one long hunt sometimes i mean yeah. it's hard to distinguish you know uh, you mm -hmm. know i i think what helps us is 
and what has helped me in the last years has been like, you know, it was like Luis and Tucker, Luis and Manano, uh, yeah. you know, Trey and Trey. then uh, Brendan. Yeah. So yeah, I can almost differentiating character there. Yeah, they yeah. Want, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, but but when it was just me and Chad, we were just like, well, what's that? <laughs> me and Chad, that? me and Chad, Chad and me, me and Chad, was that 2011? So, so you're saying we made it more interesting, Joe? <laughs> That's what, what you're saying? We were putting a twist. Yeah, you you uh, just gave bookmarks to it. I think you yeah. got great bookmarks. You know, and I'll take it. Uh, you know, we we've had some. I mean, you think about it. I mean, I, I can go back to the first time I met you. Uh, you know, going on 12 years ago, Gilbert, yeah. and and I can I can see each one of those by the characters in camp and about you know the things yeah. that happen mm -hmm. like that. And I mean, yeah. we've had we've had laughter, we've had smiles, we've had tears, we've had all the above. You know, yeah. so mm -hmm. yeah, um, yeah, it's a 12 year relationship that's yeah. that's culminated into a lot of different things as mutual friends, hunting buddies, business partners. I mean, the whole nine yards. You know. So we know, yeah, Chad, man. you said you're getting ready right now. You're already getting ready. I mean, everything that you're doing now is focused for next year, right? Right, right. Uh, yeah, you know, we touched on weaknesses, you know. Um, now's a good time to start calling again. You know, I, I was calling for uh, about two or three months in a row, and then uh, the cancer came up, uh -huh. and I kind of stopped that. And uh, now I'm exercising at a marathon pace, you know, one step at a time. And uh, I'm running out of uh, uh, TV shows to watch. You know, I, <laughs> I've been, into, you know, I, I actually, I'm in my little gym for about, I'd say three to four hours a day. So I, I do awesome. a lot of Netflix and, and all that. Right. So those series come and go real quick. But, yeah. uh, you know, I'm taking it like a marathon, you know, one step at a time. It's a long mm -hmm. grind. And hopefully by uh, September, things will be in place. But, uh, you know, in the meantime, you know, I'm going to work on my weaknesses, which, you know, calling is one. And uh, once I get strong enough, I'm going to get out there and, and start shooting again to get, you know, more accurate. And at the same time, you know, watch videos, YouTube uh, videos and, and just uh, anything on TV with, with elk hunting. I know uh, a lot of hunters out there, we've been reading their stories that they've submitted it and uh, you know we can actually pick up a nugget or two from those stories and what i would uh tell them is you know replay your hunt you know there's stuff there that happened for a reason and if you can figure out why it happened whether you're successful or not it'll make you a better hunter you know i would suggest reading the academy all over again and then uh if you can recall stuff that happened during your hunt and why did it happen that way? I think we have a couple of letters tonight. If we if we get to them, that uh, one of the one of the reader or one of our listeners uh, came up with two scenarios, and he wanted to know what the deal was. Why did it turn out the way it turned out? Yeah. And I know there's a lot of instances that uh, things happen perfectly. It seems like, well, you did the right thing, and sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, uh, they don't turn out the way you want it to and there's a reason for that too so you know kind of replay stuff i know joe and i have learned so many things that people haven't that we've already forgotten ourselves yeah. and every once in a while it's like a reminder oh wait a minute i know what happened there so you know it, it's a uh, it's a learning thing you know every time you step on that on that uh, or i was going to say on that field <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> kind of like an athletic, you, you learn true. you learn something 
Yeah. And even the letters that I've been uh, reading lately uh, from our listeners, uh, you know, I can see certain scenarios in my mind and why it happened, why it didn't happen, and uh, what they could have done maybe a little bit different. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of information gained just yeah, by I think... what we do. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, just being able to, like you said, I th and you said a critical thing, though, Chap, whether you were successful or not, remember, you can punch a tag and have a lot of areas you need to improve in, you know. Uh, uh, it doesn't mean that your strengths were at full force. It just means that you had that opportunity and you finished on that opportunity. That was great. But that doesn't mean that your game is always at the top of what it could be. So even though you punch that tag this year, mm -hmm. is it is it your goal to only have punch it this year, or do you want to be consistent yeah. from year to year to year? So you've got to always look and reevaluate, and like Chad said, you know, look at that perspective. Look at you know the things that you learned, the things that uh, that baffled you a little bit. You know, learn uh, about those animals more and more. Try to understand their habits, understand your habits, find those mm -hmm. areas that you could have excelled more in, and why you didn't, and you improve on that. Again, we always say. Find your failure points or possible failure points. They don't have to be something that you that you failed at, you know. So yeah. when do you guys start getting ready? I mean, that's a good way to beat those blues is to refocus, right? I mean, like you're getting ready already by hunting other animals in a sense, right? So you're doing that because and let me Staying tell you sharp, yeah. That's keeping your shooting sharp. That's yeah. a great time to continue using your gear that you use while you're out there mm -hmm. um, to test out new gear that you're doing or would mm -hmm. like to use. You know, I, I think one of the big problems is, and, and I think this helps to contribute to postseason blues, because I really think here's another cause of postseason blues. I think some people really start getting ready that, one month or two weeks prior to, and they actually get out there in the elk woods still trying to figure out equipment or themselves or the animals. And by the time they figure it out, it's their last day there. They leave and they have all of these still un, they have these regrets, man. Yeah. I mean, of what could have been had they done this stuff ahead of time. So I think a great way to beat those post season blues is by prepping better using this time right after to like we said get to know your setup improve your setup make sure you understand your equipment wear the same equipment that you had hunting those in that same equipment you know i, I go to 3d shoots and i and i go to 3d shoots with other guys that have two bows they have a bow for hunting in and they have a bow, bow for 3d man mm -hmm. they have different arrows different setups and yep. this boy right here I 3D and everything I hunt in, pack, yeah. Yeah. carry my binos, same arrows, same bow, uh, everything, man. I, I want to keep everything because my goal for 3D is not to win a 3D. Huh? I, I like it, you know. Yeah. If I can, that's just icing on the cake. My goal is 3D is to do those things and put me in a situation so I can be successful elk hunting, yeah. right? So yeah. that that's uh, that's some of the things. But you know, when when does your mode go from just you know, doing your hunting thing to actually starting to think about elk hunting. Grinders tuning in, thank you for listening to the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Podcast. Our goal is to share our knowledge and help you flatten that learning curve so that you too can have some of the 
very same incredible experiences that have given all of us here at Elk Bros a lifetime of memories. If you like what you hear or see, you can get all of this information plus so much more from our Base Camp Elk Hunting Training Camp, the first in a series of online courses from our Blue Collar Elk Academy. Our Base Camp Training Camp allows me to use my coaching style and share almost 40 years of elk hunting experiences successfully hunting elk on public lands as well as over 20 years guiding hunters of all ages and experience levels. This course will be like nothing you have ever experienced in concept and structure using success-based coaching techniques that will elevate your confidence and skill sets. Our camp will prepare you specifically from that final moment most in your control, those final minutes or seconds the elk is in front of you, backwards through each step and level, allowing you to see, visualize, understand, and relate every coaching point to what lies ahead, the next step, the next thought process, the next success. Because y'all, you've already been there. You know what it looks like. By tapping my 30 years of teaching and coaching experience, our camps are developed considering multiple learning modes with text, visuals, audio, as well as video. And Basecamp will benefit those new to elk hunting all the way to the 10 to 15 year vet. So if you are looking for that one thing to help you fill that tag this year, invest in the most important piece of equipment there is, you and your elk hunting knowledge. You can find the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Academy and the Base Camp Training Camp at elkbros.com. That's E-L-K-B-R-O-S dot com. Keep dreaming of the screaming, believing and achieving, and most of all, keep grinding. April. For, for me, April it's three 1st. months prior to. Three months prior. For you. Mine's April 1st. So my April. diet will start and my exercising will start and... I, you know, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I've been shooting a bow since I was about six years old, eight years old, uh, whether it was a little bitty bear, white tail too, or whatever. I started, I killed my first deer with a bow when I was 13. Uh, so I've killed a lot of animals. I shoot a bow. Uh, I'm a pretty good archer, right? Uh -huh. But I don't shoot all the time, guys, right? Uh, number one, I don't want to develop any bad habits. Uh, I don't shoot when I'm tired. Uh, I shoot fresh in the mornings. I started about 65 to 70 yards with my first arrow. My first arrow, I don't shoot them at 10 or 20 to warm up. Uh, so my practice is a little bit different than most people's, but it's what works for me. Right. And I can be dialed in in about 10 arrows and be done, ready to rock and roll, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of guys, man, they got to put a lot of shooting time in. I just don't. I'm one of those. Yeah. Uh, well, and look, you should being an instinctive shooter got to, right. Mm -hmm. I don't think I could do what I do without with being an instinctive shooter. If I didn't put the time in for sure. Right. Uh, we kind of cheat when we got our pins and stuff like that. So it's a little bit easier. Um, but so for me, I start, so April's what a, a, all of April, May, June, July, August. So, I mean, five months, Yeah. you know, mm -hmm. My prep is five months. Yeah. I, I, with regards to the shooting, to me, it's kind of throughout the year. Right. Yeah, the and, and, and like Luis said, and, we shoot and a lot. I mess with my bow a lot, like as far as, you know, and now's this the time, year. Man. This yeah. year, yeah. yeah, this year was, 
you know, how can I make my arrows better? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I found a, a, a nose button that, that I really like, and yeah. I'm glad I put it in place because when I was hunting, I was uh, shooting at one of the hogs at night, and I went to draw, and if it wasn't for that nose button, my anchor point would have been completely off of my string. So um, it was an immediate reward of, hey, this works for me, right? So I, 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 I put the work in messing with those things year-round, and I shoot my bow year-round. I don't shoot it every day, but uh, I, you know, I shoot it often. But most importantly, the exercise part, that's, that's where I go hardcore three months prior to where I can lose, you know, 20 pounds in those three months and, uh, and put a lot of, a lot of, you know, workouts yeah. and run a lot during those three months. That's when I start my routine of work or working out at least four times a week. Yeah. Awesome. And, and I, if I could make a recommendation to you guys out there is that, now is the time to, if you're going yeah. to do a new setup, start messing with that setup. If you're going to do uh, a new uh, site, if you're going to do a new release, if you're going to do all that stuff, do all of that. If you're going to go to new arrows, go to a new broadhead, do all of that. And by May 1st, have your setup by May 1st. And the reason I tell you to do that is so that you have three months solid of three months because there's going to be a lot of time in that three months that you're not going to shoot that setup. But, you know, you're going to have time now that you are going to be comfortable before you hit the elk woods. Do not go changing your setup two weeks before you're going to go up into the elk woods, man. You know, um, I have a, I learned this the hard way. Look, and, and even with having that in mind, um, you know, Manano talked me into, it's Manano's fault, of course. Uh, so Manano talked me into changing the, the veins that we were using for our arrows. Mm -hmm. And uh, I changed the veins and I put uh, a little wrap on the back of the arrows. And, and I tested the arrows and they flew fine, but then at short distance. But then when I started practicing for uh, the elk hunt, uh, longer distances, man, the arrows were not flying good. They were doing this parachuting effect, and I was, like, super concerned. So I had to go back to the drawboard and take all those wrappings and all those fletchings out. And then that's when I went online, found out about Noctuning, and went back to the old setup to make sure that I had good arrows for my trip. This happened, I was, this happened the last two weeks before the trip. So I was freaking out, right? So and, was Manano, because I, I saw yes. a crack of doubt in him at Elk. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. He was concerned because he had the same arrows. And mm -hmm. when he went to shoot him, and he did go to shoot him probably a week and a half, two weeks before the trip, mm -hmm. then they were also flying with the parachute effect. So he was like, he took his bow. He thought it was the bow. He took his bow. I mean, he went through the whole process. I went through the whole process here and we just narrowed it down. Hey, it's gotta be the arrow setup. And then that's what led me to start investigating about this whole, um, world of, uh, building arrows and, and kind of hit, you know, understood what was going on and led me to build my new arrows. But my goal at the moment was I'm going to go back to my original setup. That's worked for me. Um, uh, 
And then I'm not going to, even though I wanted to go through the process of changing my arrows, I was like, I'm going to wait until after the hunting trip before I start messing with my arrows. And that's what I started doing after I got back from L camp. Yeah, that's, and so that's, that's the advice that, that I would give people out there on that is, Mm -hmm. you know, now you have an important time to be doing that. So if I could, if I could kind of summarize everything like that to beat those postseason blues give yourself a break when you get back or you know first of all make sure that you've taken care of everything before you get on your elk hunt so that as soon as you're done you don't feel like you just got started and have those kind of regrets so that's huge on that front end of it there if you have gotten everything and you put your time in and you had that great hunt like we did and you're feeling that Give yourself a break there. Refocus Refocus on doing some things that you love um, with family members. Involve them in that. You know, get out there hunting small game, hunting deer, hunting other animals. Find those other passions that are going to get you there. And then start refocusing a little bit and reevaluating, if anything, so that you can start lining out stuff and preparing what you're doing. Play with your setup. Do those 3D shoots. Start making plans for that upcoming season because it's going to come a lot sooner. Think about this, y'all. We are already talking that, you know, in a matter of so many months, there's a lot of states that you're going to have to apply already to. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I don't know. if I, I know this for a fact. Like, if you want to go to Alaska, I think that's coming up here in December. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's a, there's a lot of things uh, that you have to start thinking about now. So some of that will help you with that as well. And What's One that? of the things I would I would recommend um, also is while you are in your hunt um, and you realize that you're missing something, that you had a failure, that you're needing something, that somebody has a, a gear, a piece of gear or equipment that you 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 found extremely useful, just on your phone on your notes, just just start writing a list of things that. Because what what happens is is like you think of you see somebody having a piece of uh, an equipment that you're like oh my god that's pretty good I need to get me one of those for next yeah, year yeah. Mm-hmm. but then you don't write it down and then you get back to the real world and then you come completely forget and next year you show up as a like, man I meant to buy something like that last yeah, year and I didn't yeah, yeah. you know so it's easy good to point. do just keep track of those things I do that when when I go to camp I start you know kind of mm-hmm. uh, on my notepad and, and, and the, the phone. The other thing I would tell you guys is is change your mindsets from what had happened to what is going to happen. So mm-hmm. instead of going through that depression of where you just came from, start re, you know changing that thinking to where you're going to go, mm-hmm. and that that totally changes things for you, man. Very so um, we're going to go ahead and end that right there tonight, guys, so we can get to our mailbox because we Good have some stuff, pretty Joe. incredible stuff and some incredible people uh, from two of our grinders. And uh, these are great guys, man. We, we hear from these guys all the time. And uh, Mike Wilson out of Ogden, Utah. You know what's so cool about these questions from Mike is Mike, Hello, Mike. was – he was like, he was like at ground zero, man, before this year. And yeah. you listen to these questions now, it's mm-hmm. like a whole different level. You can tell he is on that next level yeah, my, thinking. My, right? Mike is pretty awesome. Thank yeah. you, Mike. 
Yeah, it, it, it really is. And so Mike says, thank you. I love the show. Appreciate you guys more than you know. I've gone through the academy, and go. I'm, <laughs> I'm going through it all again over the holidays with a new perspective. Now mm. with a small drop of experience. And let me tell you what, he's got more experience than he thinks. Oh, by the way, heal up, Mike. The guy, he broke his arm. Oh, oh man. No. Yeah. That sucks. He says, uh, but two odd questions and a couple of gear questions for you. And these questions are not odd. They are spot on. Okay. So his first one is, on my first day out, I made a cow call and immediately had a cow mew maybe 30 yards away in thick brush. At first, I thought it was another hunter, but then I mm. smelled, heard them. So in other words, he could smell the elk, right? He says, I felt stuck. I eventually mewed again. They were still there, so I attempted to move where I could see them, and one started barking, almost sounded like an elephant. This went on for 10 or 15 minutes. The elk eventually and slowly moved away, still barking every few minutes, and I just couldn't get a clear shot. Is there anything I could have or should have tried? Should I have just stayed quiet and still, or was this just a no-win situation, though lots of fun? (laughs) Oh, yeah, um, I, I I learned about that this year as well with you, Joe. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what the barking meant. Well, yeah. yeah, man, they they done got you. Yeah. <laughs> they so, know the jig is up. <laughs> but the but I want you everybody Show to realize yourself. this: when when they bark, show yourself. They, yeah. yeah, they they know something's there, but they don't know what it is. And so mm-hmm. when they're barking, they're saying, "Show yourself." Right. Yeah, and they're alerting everybody else that something's there that they ought to see yeah. too. Yeah, you yeah. know, it, like show yourself, man. Yeah. That's why, um, you know, there's a lot of guys that when a bull is coming by them, they'll cow call at a bull. And I don't know if you've had it yet happen yet, but I have it happen all the time where you cow call sometimes, and that bull's already moving because he knows he's going to a cow, and he just keeps moving through it. It maybe he didn't hear it, maybe the noise covered it, mm-hmm. but let me tell you what: you bark at that guy. Yeah. He stops in his tracks, man, and sure. he looks at you. It's like a grunt bark at yeah. him, and you do that. But so in this what, case, did you think what would it be fair, Joe, to say at that point that you know try barking back? Absolutely, mm-hmm. that's the yeah. bingo, man. Yeah. Because the first thing that I do is if a cow barks at me, right? The first thing I do is I'm like, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like you're going, hey, show yourself. And I'm like, no. You show yourself. Yeah, sure. yeah. yeah. So, man, I'll just start barking at them, and then I do some sounds in the ground, like mm-hmm. uh, elk kind of moving around a little bit, you know, over there, maybe behind it. But I bark right back at them. And I've mm-hmm. had them, when they do that, they will actually come forward to try to see now. They try to get that visual where they'll come instead of demanding you to give them the visual. So it, it, it's a pretty it, cool experience, though. Yeah, I, it, I imagine it, he freaked out when he first heard him as soon as he made that for, first well, cow. For, for me, when he heard the cow mew, okay, huh? and he knew they were about 30 yards away, yeah. he didn't need to say nothing else, no. right? He just needed to get on his ninja stick mm-hmm. and try to figure out where the wind was and try to silently get in there with them, right? Um, the minute he 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 alerted them again. that he was there, uh-huh. they were like, oh, really, another elk in there? Uh-huh. And then he moved. They caught the movement. That's what alerted him to him. He, they, he couldn't, they couldn't tell what he was, but they saw the movement. So yeah. like you said, they wanted, to, they wanted to hear him, right? right? So for me, if I know I got elk in front of me and I hear a, a mew, 
uh, I don't need to make a sound to them. I just need to try to keep moving until I see them, you know, mm-hmm. or try to work around, see where my wind's at, try to work yeah. in there to see them silently, man. You don't have to say a word. And I, I'm silently moving in there to see if it is another hunter or see if it's elk. And once I smell them, yeah, totally know what I need to do from there on. Well, yeah, and if they're if they're that close, man, and if I mute and they answered, yeah, you know, uh, man, I they know I'm there. They're going to no start doubt. coming, right? Mm-hmm. So I probably wouldn't be moving a whole lot right. myself, right. you know. I'm gonna uh, sit still. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm I'm pretty much there. I might throw a call back behind me. Mm-hmm. You know, just to to do that. Um, mm-hmm. And if I had a decoy, that might give mm-hmm. me just a little bit something different. And and mm-hmm. I usually have a decoy with me. So what? It was that attempt to move that got him to. Park. Oh well, especially when he he's thirty yards and he in thick brush and he has mewed back to him, yeah. right? And yeah. then he's moved, and they're like, "Well, that didn't look right because they caught the wrong color, they you know yeah. the wrong shine or something Showed like that." Showed him look like four legs moving at once. Yeah, and and they're they're like, "Well, if you are if you are an elk, come here and show yourself." Right. Yeah. Absolutely. No, and I mean, then after the bark, Joe's right. After the bark, you got to bark, bark back. back. I bark right back at him, man. And yeah. that next uh, question is awesome. Yeah. Just uh, another point, uh, Mike, whenever you hear a cow call or a bugle, uh, don't think it's the hunter. You yeah. know, go go yeah. check it out. Go look at it. Yeah, don't assume. Yeah, it's the hunter. I always don't always, assume, yeah. right? Yeah. Play it out, man. No matter how bad it sounds. Yep. Exactly. So his second question is, one morning I was out a couple of hours before light, I love hearing that, and heard some elk bugling, the closest maybe 500 yards uphill. I hiked in a couple hundred yards, but then was in a quandary. I didn't, I don't want to call and find out I was right on top of him, but really had no idea how far away it was. What if I called and he came in before shooting light? I ended up waiting until just before shooting light, called again and found that I was within 100 yards. But my question is, once I've generally located bulls in the dark, should I wait until light before interacting anymore, or is there something to be gained by getting close? Good question. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Excellent. So, Been question. there, done that. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, you know, we've all been in a situation where we have interacted too soon and they end up right on top of you. So basically, I try to get into a point to that comfort zone and I'm just waiting, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and I'm listening and I'm trying yeah. to be in that downwind side where I can smell them. And I'm just trying to get more information. Now, if that animal bugles and they're still another 100, 300 yards away, now I'm going to cut that distance again, nice yeah. and relaxed, knowing when, you know, I'm paying attention. Where's my gray light? And for you guys that don't know what I mean by gray light, it's that first light that you start to see in the sky over there on the horizon where the sun's coming up before it comes up. And as I see that gray light, that's telling me how much time I'm getting ready to have before they get there, man. So uh, that's something for you to think about there. All right. Um, So uh, and then, you know, I am going to wait. I am going to be patient. If once I've gotten into that 150 zone on him, man, I don't want to do a peep, man. I'm just listening to them, and I'm just waiting until I can actually do something and get on top of them. It doesn't do me any good to get them on me if I'm not able to shoot, right? right. I think he did did all the right things. you know, but but to your point, instead of calling that second time where he he found out he was about a hundred yards, 
um, from them. Um, just kind of stay silent and, and wait to get more yeah. information, like mm -hmm. you said, Joe. But one thing that you mentioned that I learned from you this last trip was um, trying to trying to figure out distances and yardage. Um, I remember when we the day we killed Manano's bull, um, you you tried we we kind of told you how far we heard the bull. Right, and uh, you started kind of walking in that direction, and and you told us that what you normally do in those situations, you actually count your steps, right? Um, because that kind of helps you get a sense for how, how much have you closed in uh, from where you heard the bull, and it puts you in a situation where you don't, you know, put yourself right on top of the animals, and and because yeah. it's easy easy to um, lose track of how much you've walked. Right. Uh, if you're not kind of keeping that in mind, <clears throat> yeah. especially so if you're going uphill, man, because they have a of an advantage if they're above you mm -hmm. and they're looking down, man, they, the elevated position is just such a, a better advantage for them. So you okay. got to really be careful about how deep you're going to get in there if you're going uphill to them. Well, that's that's why, man. I mean, it's different when you're when they're on the other side of a ridge, like you're talking about, Gilbert. But if yeah. if we're in kind of an area where it's not so, flat. you know, it's mm -hmm. it's more flat, and these guys tell me it's 300 yards. Well, man, yeah. I'm counting my steps to about 150, man, and, yep, and then then I'm going to a chill mode a little bit, right, yeah. when I get in that close. So that yeah. kind of kind of tells me makes sense joe number three for the guys who use handheld releases what type do you recommend i was using a four finger thumb release and i loved it during practice but it became a hindrance in the field mm -hmm. it is all metal and seemed to clank on everything fell off my hand a dozen times and occasionally wouldn't lock on the string suggestions yeah. go to your bow shop and try out every one they got see which one you like best i shoot a silver horn made by scott i love it been using it a long time but i'm going to tell you the smoke that's out there by true flight it's good uh, my son shoots that luis can tell you what he shoots but I, go to your bow shop man they'll have them all lined up you can put them on see you can go shoot each one of them you know little plug for your bow shop but go see what you like man don't uh don't get locked into one thing figure out what works for you there are different different kinds um, of uh, different styles. You have the uh, like like you're saying the the thumb releases. Um, there's also back tension. There is uh, just the the wrist um, a type with uh, with the the oh man jaws. Yeah, the jaws that kind of clip on the string, and there's the ones that only have one hook. That's a what um, I shoot the one. Hook. I sh I shoot the one hook uh, for true of uh, true fire, the hardcore, mm -hmm. and I find that one great because you can adjust the um, the travel on the trigger, mm -hmm. and you can also adjust the tension. Um, uh, so, uh, which are kind of two different things, really. Mm -hmm. um, so, reason why I like them is you they're on your wrist and you, they're not going to fall off and you're going to carry them with you the whole time and you're going to be ready to go and you're not going to lose it absolutely yeah i do like i do like the 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 three the thumb one but i agree with you 100% they're easy to lose in the woods i went and actually made a rope and put it around my wrist but in a in a quick situation where you're trying to kind of grab it and try to lock that thing in it becomes it becomes yeah it, it just it's not as smooth as it would be with a wrist type 
uh, release. So, and I'm um, going to throw something in from a non-release guy. When you mentioned the back tension release, is is that I think and guys, I mean, I might hear this from a lot of release guys, but this is just as a guide uh, that's been with people. I when it when you're using a a, a a back tension release on a still target face is yeah. totally different from using it on a live animal that's moving. Yeah. I want my hunters to know and determine when that arrow is going to leave their bow because things can change, and I don't want yeah. I, I don't want them to not know when that arrow is going to release. So right. that's just something I just want to throw out there for that, that, you know, uh, most of target, your back tension guys use them when they're 3d shooting. Yeah. Brother. It's for target panic, man. Again. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, it's a whole different deal with that live animal. So that's just something I want to throw out there. And uh, his, his last question was he used an inReach and I've been looking at the Zolio that we've talked about. He said the inReach texting is not cheap, but with the inReach, I can turn it on and my wife loves that she gets periodic location sent to her and I don't need to think about it. If something were to happen in the backcountry, she'd be able to see my last location. You've mentioned sending a location with Zolio but can it send automatically or will I have to send a message periodically? So there's a button on the Zolio that has a little check mark on it. And all you have to do is push that check mark anytime. It does, I don't know if you can set it to automatically send. I haven't, I haven't, Luis, there's not a way to do that, is there? Oh, I don't think there's a way I, to do it. No, I think you, you can just, just push, push that check mark. Yeah. 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 And what we do is we hang it, we hand the Zolio device in our backpack. Yeah. And uh, on the side of the backpack. So, I mean, if you have it within your hands reach, every once in a while, you remember you press that button. And you don't um, even have, you don't have to do it there. You can do it on your app on your phone. You can push a check-in button on there yeah. as well. So yeah. it doesn't have to be the actual device that you push it. And it, will send sends, a, it would send your location. It, exactly. Saying you're okay. Plus yeah. it has SOS, just like the inReach does, that you push that SOS and, and it, it lets the troops know that you have a problem. Okay. Yep. So... Uh, that's on that. Our our uh, our next question comes from Keith Despacito, and he's out of Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, man. And he's just on the outskirts of Tulsa. Yeah, hmm. yeah. he's loud and proud about that too. But I want you to know that Keith is uh, New Mexico people as well. I mean, he's his his uh, his grandparents and family and everybody's right here from New Mexico, so he has roots here. In fact, his grandfather, I think it was just over 100 years old that he just celebrated. And uh, um, I'm not sure the exact year, but it was over 100 years old, man. Way cool. So shout yeah. out. Uh, one of the one of the best tournament softball, one of the best softball tournaments we play in every year. I go play twice a year. It's in Broken Arrow. Yeah. Yeah. So he has two questions, man. And, and I, it's so funny. Um he actually got the juices going on this. He says, hope all is well in the land of enchantment. I was curious, is there any way to give the base camp as a present for Christmas? So, um, Keith, since I got your email and since you sent me that text, and to everybody out there, I am working on an um, electronic gift card that you can purchase for somebody and send it to them so that they can redeem it for a subscription to the base camp. So that is now in the works. I'm hoping to have that out and have that on the site so that people can purchase that. So keep your eyes out for that. If you're looking for, you know, 
Keith was the one that sent this in in his text. He said, you know, I hear you guys talking, and people can buy gear. They can buy cam- uh, camo. They can buy all this different stuff. But he says, I'm a firm believer like you are that the greatest asset to um, being successful is knowledge. Oh, so yeah. I-, I thought it was really cool that he wanted to help other people be more successful by cool, by man. giving the base camp there. No so, doubt. That was his first uh, question, and hope that answers that. So second one, he says, also, I'm kind of like Big O when it comes to hunting. If I see them before they see me, they're in some serious trouble. But it seems that the hardest part so far has been, and this is during the early season, he says, has been locating. Do we just go into an area with a bunch of sign and blind call as we move slowly through and just keep hitting different pockets, hoping to see something first? Or is there a different early season strategy that we could also try? And personally, well, actually, I'm going to let you guys talk about those methods. Go ahead, guys. Uh, First off, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, brother, only time you're going to know if they're there or not but, you know, you don't see sign, you know, you're going to see scat and you're going to see trees blown up and rubs and stuff. like. I mean, and you're going to see tracks uh, and then you should be listening in the mornings and uh, in the nighttime, you should be listening. Uh, but yeah, man, that first morning, I mean, I'll never forget last, last year we walked right out of elk camp and right back i mean there we go so it was on like donkey kong and we didn't know that they were there or not you know yeah so uh i mean we figured that they were there we were in elk areas that we've been there before uh so if he's in a new area uh that we've never hunted before or something like that yeah man get on that get on that uh cow call first and uh make you a few little cow mews and you don't hear anything then get on that bugle see that advertising bugle and see if we can't get something to answer. But I, he was talking about early season, how a lot of times they're really, really quiet too. And, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, so he has that in. And one of our favorite things, Keith, one of my favorite techniques is to move through transition areas between feed and bedding areas. Yeah, yeah. And as I'm moving through, man, I, I like to have a crosswind when I do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm moving through so that uh, I'm cow calling here and there, usually doing like a, yeah. Yeah, kind of like that. Small herd moving. Yep, Mm -hmm. just like a small group moving. And as I'm going through, we are looking because we know that those elk are going to respond, and they're going to respond and maybe not bugling. You might hear a little grunt. You might hear a chuckle. Don't forget to look back every once in a while. Most of the time they come in silent, man, and we're looking for them off to the right, to the left, and in front coming in silent and we've killed a ton of elk like that need to be patient when you're in your calling sequences you don't (laughs) need to move a whole lot after calling you need to really pay attention to which way the wind's blowing and also your six if you got somebody with you man you need to make sure you're looking behind you because those rascals will sneak in on you like a thief in the night (laughs) and uh they are pros at doing it so yeah, we've learned a whole lot uh, by doing that. And, yeah, they are going to shut up some. But I'm telling you, man, we're as early as you could be this year. And, you know, you just speak the language. They speak back a lot of times and give you an idea of where they're located at. Then you can ease up in there on them. 
And all you need is one little peep, one little mew. I mean, and that's you can, it. You can and ease listen in there for those them. mews, man. Yeah. You know, listen for that raking because sometimes, yeah. you know, they'll start raking. And and I, really early season, I get a lot of bow calls, man. I get those those bull mews, man. That yeah. you know, I'll I'll come out and I when I send out those calls, I like to send them over the top of things where in that morning it kind of it kind of goes through. You can hear it like send and bounce off way far away, and that's how I know that I'm getting that that audio out there, man. So. Uh, I, I really like moving. Chad, that's what we do a ton early season, right? Right. Yeah. The key is get up early. Yeah. You know, get up yeah. early. Get some cow get calls. Up. Yeah, get out there, get those cow calls, listen for something that's moving through. In the dark, as soon as those cows hit the trees, they start mewing. Those, as soon as those bulls hit the trees, they're going to start mewing. That's their, that's their little way uh, of communicating with things that can't see them in the trees. If they're in a park, it's all physical. It's from sight. But once they get in the trees, that's when they start letting out those mews. So, you know, that first thing right there in the dark when they start getting in there or that first part of daylight, okay? If you're hearing mews or raking, um, you're close. Yeah, buddy. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Yeah, you're within that 100-yard magical distance, man. Great questions, them. man. Great questions from these Very guys. good questions. Look, man, this, this whole thing that we had tonight was real deal, man. I mean, the elk hunting blues are real. You've heard it straight from the horse's mouth from, you know, me and Luis who live, you know, a thousand miles away from the mountains. Uh, and and Joe, uh, Joe gets to do it all the time, so uh, it's not really – uh, it's not really that real for Joe, but now you've heard from Chab too. That's kind of, you know, had to deal with that this year. So it's really good stuff, Joe. Really good content tonight. Some fantastic questions from our from our listeners, guys. If you like what we're doing, please subscribe, rate, and review. You got to go to Apple Podcast or iTunes to review us, and you can check out more elk hunting content at elkbros.com. And just a reminder. If any of our listeners would like their questions answered on our show, just send your questions to info at elkbros.com. That's info at elkbros.com. Fantastic show tonight, guys. Can't wait to see what the mafia puts out here in the next few days. Y'all stay tuned to that YouTube because I'm going to be putting up some of the big old show stuff. It's coming, man. Logan's going to put the smack down on a big white tail here this week. And my daughter will be in camp too. So, and she's super lethal. If you think I'm lethal there, you don't want to run away from her when she's aiming a rifle at you because you're just going to die tired. I and we got, some, we got some really cool video from Luis that we're just doing some refinement stuff on it, and then we'll get that on there, man. So yes, uh, excited about all that. Fantastic stuff. Guys, like we say down here in Texas, husbands, kiss your wives. Wives, kiss your husbands. Hug your babies. Keep your broad head sharp and your powder dry. And we'll see you next week right here on Blue Collar Elk Honey. Peace, peace. Hey.